Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. Episode 75 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast, and we're three quarters of the way to 100, which is... Uh, Oh, it's not really much. It's not. It's nothing to celebrate, really. It's like celebrating your third, uh, your third month anniversary. You know, um, like wait till you actually accomplish something and then start celebrating. But, um, but I can't. You know, I'm still, I'm still a bit shocked. The fact that you know we're we're at episode seventy five of this thing, and you know, no plans on stopping. That's for sure. Uh, as long as you guys keep listening, which you certainly are. Um, we're going to keep producing and keep, uh, keep putting the shows out there. So, um, so thanks for tuning in. Um, I've been feeling a bit, bit feisty all day. Um, and I thought, well, you know, it's Monday evening. Uh, why not jump on the mic and, and, and get this thing cracking and see what we can, uh, see what we can come up with. I mean, there's no end of stuff to talk about. Um, some is... Some has hit me in a way that I, I didn't really expect it to because stuff doesn't really hit me like that. Um, but some of this stuff is really starting to dig deep into me. And maybe it's just because I'm getting older. Um, maybe I'm just more self-aware. More, maybe I'm more self-assured. I'm not sh- I'm not entirely sure what it is. Um, but I know some things are, are really getting to me in terms of the significance in, in which that in which they impact me, whereas before maybe some of this stuff would have just kind of rolled off my back and I wouldn't have given it too much of a second thought. Things are now I'm talking what I'm talking about is I'm talking about leaving Netherland, the um, the documentary that was done um on the two guys that suffered uh, sexual abuse, extended sexual abuse and grooming um, at the hands of Michael Jackson. And if you guys not have not seen this two-parter, it is, it'll make you sick for sure. Um, it will, it will break down some, some pretty big belief barriers you may have had. Um, it definitely is going to break down some mirrors on, kind of how he was reflected to the world and how we kind of how he was reflected to us and I think it's going to also cause us to kind of have a look on how and be reflective on ourselves and how how easily I mean one of the guys said it on an interview that I saw that they had done with Oprah and one of them said it and I think it was I think it was absolutely perfect it was um he said that the whole he said the entire world had been groomed by Michael Jackson. And that to me really was like a it was kind of like a gut shot. And it really is because even now there are grown men who will be listening to this podcast, who have kids, who seen the footage that I've seen, have probably read more about it than I have, and are convinced he's innocent. And I am sorry, but you take, I'm going to take a couple factors here, right? Like, okay, so the the things that I've heard in response to why Michael Jackson is not guilty of these charges or why these kids might be lying or now men might be lying is because 
one, they didn't come out when they were eight, which is okay, fair enough, they were young. But what about when they were 20-odd and they knew that this was happening and how come they didn't say anything at that particular point in time when they were asked to testify again? The other thing is, well, these guys have every reason to lie because they're, they're, you know, they're in basically on tap to make a ton of money from the public appearances, from the books they're going to release, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So two reasons. One, why did they not come out before this, even though they were given the opportunity to as grown adults? And two, of course they're coming out now because they stand to earn a truckload of money. So why not? Michael's not here to defend himself. Uh, you know, it's kind of a free ride to the, you know, to, to the, to the penthouse as it were. And in certain cases, like we've seen people lie, right? In even very, very recent cases when tragic shit is supposed to have happened, we see people lie, right? We were just talking last episode about Juicy, um, Jussie Smollett, um, who, you know, who we've been calling for weeks as a liar, um, fabricated the story, um, who's now been charged with uh, multiple felonies uh, for, you know, for basically staging a fake hate crime or for faking a hate crime, you know, and he's getting some pretty severe looks in terms of potential punishment in regards to that. So it's not like we haven't seen people lie when the topics of severity, you know, the topics of severe abuse or severe uh, situations you know, have occurred. Like, we've seen these accusations come out um, as lies. We know people lie, right? But we also know that, you know, based on the statistics of hate crimes, that only, like, less than half a percent of all hate crimes reported are faked, right? We know that, you know, people absolutely hold on to sexual abuse for decades and decades and decades, right? We know this, I'm sure you guys listening know somebody who's been personally affected by sexual abuse. I certainly do. And I can tell you that the fact that you know your perpetrator in almost 90%, I think it's like 90% of the cases, you know your attacker, you know your abuser, you know the person grooming you, is par for the course, man. There's a reason that that stat is alive. Because it's fucking true. Everybody that I've ever spoken to that's had a problem with this, and there's been a few. I'm not saying like I could write a book on it, but I've definitely had a few a few cases and occurrences where people have disclosed these sorts of abuses to me, and I've had experience of it in my own family. Right. So, um, so the fact that you know your your abuser, like that's par for the course. So. Going back to kind of, well, why did these guys wait so long? Well, we already know that victims of sexual abuse, mental, physical abuse, sometimes hold on to these these things until there is a trigger moment, uh, almost like a safety point of which they say, okay, now I can now I can speak on it, which these guys testified to uh, during the documentary. And on the Oprah Winfrey interview. Um, and to the point about them making money off the back of it, 
Well, that's part of how the process goes, unfortunately, because you can't bring criminal charges against somebody who's dead, I don't believe. So the only way you can actually manufacture or manifest a result out of this is in the civil uh, civil arm of the legal system, right? Like you bring a civil case towards the estate of Michael Jackson, and that has to have some monetary value in it, right? And it has to be significant, in or significant enough in order for the estate to take notice of it, right? So... Those are a couple of kind of retorts in, in regards to why those situations might be occurring or uh, the reason that you're seeing uh, some of these things play out the way they are. But all of this is very, very peculiar to me. The fact that we're turning our, all of a sudden, like with the Jussie Smollett stuff, right? Everybody was quick to say, well, this, he's, he can't be lying. He can't be lying, right? You can see numerous videos on YouTube where people are, you know, categorically proclaiming their support of his story on national television. No way he would make up a lie like this. No way. But when it comes against these two guys who, yes, they're having financial problems. Yes, they're, you know, they've got mental illness for sure, obviously, based on their, you know, fucking upbringing and the things that they had to go through. Um... But it's not the same. Like, I just, I felt like you could tell a guy like Jesse Smollett, and, and don't get me wrong, these things are not even the same, right? Um, they're, they're not even, they're not even close to the same, but I'm just, I'm just framing it in a way that is, that is pertinent to the fact of honesty and telling a story that is true. And how under scrutiny things can fall apart very easily. I mean, how long did it take Jesse Smollett's story to fall apart? Right. The only thing that was holding Michael Jackson's story together was the guys who have now come out and said, actually, this is why we're lying. And there's nothing unusual about the story of them, you know, keeping this stuff to themselves, lying for them, being in love with Michael Jackson. You know, the grooming process sounded horrendous. The grooming process is sounded, you know, extensive and was not only for the young boys, but for the family, you know, overwhelming in a positive way, who wouldn't want to garner Michael Jackson's attention in the way that these boys did? Jesus Christ, man. Can you imagine anybody not falling for this? But for me to look at this situation objectively and say, like, it, it's one of those things, right? It's like, did we ever think Michael Jackson was just hanging out with these boys? Really, did we? I mean, think a thing. Think of the things we complain about now. Yet 15, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we were turning a blind eye to this, hand in hand, hours and days and weeks on end with children as young as seven. And nobody said a fucking word? I mean, this is, you know, this is some dark shit. This is some dark shit how you can be so blinded when the brightness of celebrity at the scope of what Michael Jackson had, how easily that can be, how, how easily that and completely that can be done. I mean, the parents are absolutely culpable for, for, for the abuse of their children, 100%, because like I don't have kids, but I know one thing's for sure. 
I can count on one hand the people and I would still have fingers left over regarding the amount of people that I would let unaccompanied watch my children, right? It forms a very similar list as that which I even let attend to my dog without me around or my dogs. I do not fuck around with things like that. And I don't give a fuck if it's Jay-Z or Beyonce or fucking, uh, I don't give a shit who it is. Anna Kendrick, fucking, uh, who else? Fucking, I don't get, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So there's a massive miscarriage of responsibility and massive amounts of negligence here going on from the parents' side, but they fed into a monster who had this plan, had this appetite to groom and abuse young boys. I mean, there's some shit in the stories, man, that you'd be hard-pressed to just... Like, you could just tell if somebody was lying, man. Talking about how... Oh, I don't even want to go into it. But what I was saying at the very, very beginning is this shit has kind of stayed with me. Like, I was expecting to watch this thing and be like, yep, he's a sick fuck. I knew he was a sick fuck. And it's really terrible what's happened to those boys. But I just feel something extra with this one because of maybe how much I loved Michael Jackson. Maybe how much the world loved Michael Jackson. I mean, this is Bill Cosby times a thousand. Right? Not only was he a thousand times more famous than Bill Cosby, but he's doing it to children and Bill Cosby was doing it to grown women at least. Like not even at least, right? I, like you can't even add that. It's just a different thing when it's, when it's children and it's a different thing when you're of the... This is like fucking... This is like finding out Michael Jordan is a massive pedophile, but it's even bigger than that. This is finding out like LeBron James is a massive pedophile, but it's even bigger than that. Because there's nobody on the planet right now that has the kind of star power that Michael Jackson had. There just isn't because they don't make stars like that anymore. This was a this was a this was a world where rumors got pe perpetuated as fast as they do today on social media without any internet. This is a this is a world where. You didn't have iTunes. You didn't have streaming services. You didn't have any of that shit. And he still broke all the records. Like his superstardom and his ability as a performer, as a songwriter, and as a composer is absolutely undeniable. But in my opinion, so is the ruthlessness and degradation of his grooming and his appetite for young boys. Because if you look at it, he was recycling these boys for like 15 years, if not more. And the one kid was, was abused for seven years. So, like I said, I don't know if it's because I'm a little bit older now or a little bit more self-aware uh, or whatever, but this has not rolled off my back the way I thought it was going to. And it's actually, like, it's actually making me sick. Like, I'm not like, oh, I'm, I'm, I need to be hospitalized or, oh, I need a day off work. I'm like, whenever 
like thoughts are flashing into my mind and it's making me feel nauseous. Like I woke up at 4.30 this morning to go to the gym and the first thing I thought about was those poor boys. Those poor boys. And yet there are still people out there that say, nope, fake news, fake news. I'm sorry, man. I'm fucking way past that. I'm, I don't think there's, a, I don't think there's any doubt because what I did, uh, yesterday was I went back and watched an Oprah Winfrey interview right after I watched the Neverland. It basically, um, Oprah did one with the survivors and the guy who did the film, uh, or the documentary, uh, called, um, after Neverland, I believe it is right. Um, and then obviously with YouTube and the search results right after that, there was a 1993 interview with Oprah Winfrey and Michael Jackson. And it was his first on camera, one to one media, national media interview in something like 14 years. And they were at his house. I mean, the, the interview that I watched from 1993 was the most of looking back on it was the most obvious cover story type interview I've ever seen it's so ridiculous how even Oprah was blinded by what was clearly strange behavior a strange setup like and he played it off all as like, I'm helping kids with cancer. I love kids. I didn't get to have a childhood growing up, which is true, which is true. But looking back on it now, hindsight is certainly 2020. And you can just see how, I mean, he is a weird, weird character, right? Very, but very quick to get like, volatile very volatile right the very very smallest thing can can definitely change him to be uh very very much demonstrous in terms of you know if you compare that against his he 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 kind of you know very very soft-spoken very very shy very oh, very bashful like which he definitely tries to pass off and maybe it's some truth in both maybe the mental illness was something that you know caused a bit of a dissociated personality who knows but during this interview, he's actively abusing children. Actively abusing children. And this interview was effectively a way of showing him to the world that tried to normalize him and explain the behavior that people were starting to question more and more. Like, why are you always hanging out with kids? Why do you always have kids around your house? Why do you have an amusement park as a grown man to host kids over? Like, why do you have a weekly sing-song, a weekly get-together with kids? Like, why do these kids stay over at your house unattended without their parents' supervision? Like, Oprah even says it in their the interview. I hope this has gone, you know, I hope this has gone far away to help dispel some of the rumors or some of the accusations. Like, she was all in. She wasn't questioning it. It was Michael Jackson. He was the king of pop and everything he did was benevolent. And people are still stuck in this trance and can't see behind the facade of performance and celebrity. 
But I'll tell you what, man, like maybe I was on the fence when I was younger because I didn't know anything about it. Like I didn't know how these things, I didn't know how these things manifested out. I didn't know what, the, like I know what kind of abuse I'd suffered, but you know, that was physical and mental, you know, an alcoholic, like alcoholism based, like it was different, you know. Um, but these poor kids, these poor fucking kids, all of them. Even the ones that got laughed out of court and got their credibility ruined. Horrendous, horrendous stuff. My only wish is that he was here to defend himself. I wish Michael Jackson was still alive to defend himself. Because if something like this came out right now, it would be a really, really interesting barometer in terms of how people looked at their allegiance to celebrity versus their allegiance to uh, socio-progressive movements, right? Like Me Too's grabbing hold. Time's Up is grabbing hold. Like would the table have turned on Michael Jackson if he was alive? Like it is, say, on R. Kelly? Or it is on, you know, any other, you know, celebrity you want to name, Bill Cosby or <coughs> Kevin Spacey or Harvey Weinstein or any of these guys? Look what they tried to do to Louis C.K. Like Louis, Louis was almost written off. And what he did was not right. Of course not. But think about that. And people are ready to write him off for all time. In perpetuity, get him out of our face. We don't want to see that disgusting piece of shit ever again. There are people out there like this. And what he did was not cool. What he did was fucking gross and he's a pervert. Yeah, taking your dick out and jerking off in front of people when they didn't ask you to is a fucking perverted move. It's weird as shit. But it's not the same as sticking your dick or eating the ass of a seven-year-old child. Having them put your cock in their mouth, it's not the same thing. I talked a long time ago when all this shit started about the severity of the crime. But we have to delineate the severity of the crime. We have to be able to compartmentalize who belongs in which bucket. Louis C.K. does not belong in the Bill Cosby bucket. Bill Cosby is kind of like standing on the, on the edge of the Michael Jackson bucket. But Michael Jackson has fucking high-dived into that bucket all by himself from, you know, 200 meters up. <clears throat> he did a Red Bull competition dive, high dive, cliff dive off that fucking shit straight into the bucket of the worst, most disgusting things that you can do. Take advantage of a child because of your power, your influence, your celebrity, and your grooming. And ruining these kids' lives for, like, like the one kid, the one guy is still fucked, you can tell. And I was thinking to myself, man, I hope this guy doesn't... I hope the weight of this coming out and the weight of this public um, this public life and these appearances on television and these interviews, etc. I hope they don't like drive him to suicide, you know, because that's what his face looks like to me. But it's an awful, awful situation and the fucking and, and just the audacity that anybody could throw shade on this situation like it didn't happen or there wasn't something going on, that this was all innocent, this was all, all above board, all above board, well, I'm sorry, but you're just fooling yourself, in my opinion, and do I have any more evidence than you do? No, I don't, 
But let me ask you a question. If you've got kids, young kids, would you let someone that you'd met five days ago, irregardless of their stature or their position or their fame or celebrity, would you let anybody that you didn't know or somebody that you had met four days ago be alone with your child in a bedroom overnight for an extended period of time? I'll do you one better. Would you let them do it for an hour or two in the afternoon without you there? Would you let them take them down the road? Would you let them take them to the mall? Without? Fuck that. And if you would, take a look in the mirror because you need to check yourself in terms of what the world is actually like. Thinking that this thing is all marshmallows and rainbows and shit. And that we can nerf the world and everything's going to be cool. Nerf the earth and everything will be cool. Make everything offensive. Make everything illegal. Make everything a problem. Make everybody a victim. Yeah, everybody a victim. So we don't believe the ones that come out that actually are. And then we have a problem when someone lies and we don't know how to reconcile ourselves with it. We got this thing all backwards, man. Got this thing all backwards. The size of your paycheck and how many times you're on TV does not make you a barometer of truth. Your actions, we talk about this all the time on the show, meritocracy, what have you done? What have you done? What do your actions actually say? Oh, you have a foundation for children? Fantastic. How come you're sleeping with them all the time? Aren't you doing enough where you don't have to have them over to play trains and fucking bow and arrows or whatever you claimed you were doing? The fuck out of here. So do those kids have a reason to tell a story? Sure. But is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, the death threats that they're getting and the hate mail that they're getting and the kickback they're getting, you're just trying to ruin them. You're just, like, fuck, man. Really? Or was this weird motherfucker a pedophile? What's more likely? I'm just saying. It's a long way to go to try to get some cash. And do people lie to get cash? Of course they do. Do people make up shit? Of course they do. But just sometimes you can tell, you know? And I just think sometimes the wall gets lifted over your eye. It gets lifted off your eyes. And it's just one of those things you're like, of course. Of course. Why, you know... Why was I so blind to the fact in the first place? Because he sings Smooth Criminal? Because he sings Thriller? I ignored the fact that for years he had a little boys on his arm. Can you imagine if any celebrity had that sort of behavior now? It would be called out immediately. Immediately. But we just let it go. And his family are still trying to defend him. Still trying to defend him. But we know he's grown up <clears throat> in an abusive situation with a tyrant of a dad. You know, with no love, with no childhood, performing from the age of, what, seven or eight? You know, <clears throat> it correlates. It correlates, and it's horrendous. And it's, it's one of the most disturbing things I feel I've heard in some time. And 
of course there are other situations. Of course there are dark situations. Of course there are tragedies happening every day. Of course. I know this isn't the worst thing that's ever happened to a person. But for some reason, the weight of it and the way that it's the way that it's been perpetrated and the facade that was carried out for so many years like somebody else had to know he couldn't have been this good at keeping it a secret that's my other problem who was complicit in covering this shit up i just i don't know if you haven't seen it watch it because i think you have to look in these kids eyes i say kids i keep saying kids they're men i keep looking in their eyes and there isn't one iota of me that thinks they're lying and i'll and i'll say that there is not one iota of me that thinks they're lying I think they are absolutely telling the truth. The first time, when I watched part one, I was like, okay, this seems, okay, maybe they're out for some cash. Maybe he did some of this stuff. Maybe they're embellishing to tell the full story and to make it sound more, you know, more compelling. By the end of the second episode, I was like, no, done. Ridiculous. Just completely, completely horrified. Not only at the actions, but the covering up, the way he groomed them the way he would discard them when they were older, the way he would turn nasty with them when they wouldn't comply with the slightest thing that he asked. It was just, you really saw it. And it was funny listening to those kids speak as men and then going back and watching the other interview with Oprah. Because when you when you go back and you watch it the veil is not only lifted but it's it's kind of lifted to the point where like you ask yourself how the hell did this ever cover anything like it's so obvious and maybe i'll come out as completely wrong on this but i don't think so um he's a very peculiar man um it was set up to be a distraction piece as to why he's not you know, a kitty fiddler, a pedophile, you know, grooming these young boys while there's nothing untoward happening. He's just trying to love everybody and do do right by people. Well, we know more than that now. We've heard the conversations. We've heard the interactions. We've seen more. We've seen behind the curtain, right? And it's just, it's so, it's so obvious that it's a PR stunt to try to, you know, act as a distraction piece. It's really that simple. Um, but it will generally come right underneath the uh, the video of the boys being interviewed by Oprah. So give that a watch because that's an absurd hour of uh, a video to watch. Um, the fact that Liz, uh, Liz Taylor came out as part of the interview and she was just like all straight for his defense like he's the king of rock and pop and soul and music and entertainment and he's the kindest gentlest soul and you know it's like well was she complicit like does she know about this because she was very close to michael jackson like if she claimed she's as close as she was how come she didn't see anything and how come she didn't raise any alarm bells 
Because whether you're doing anything or not that is sexual in nature to boys that are underage, there is something fundamentally wrong with that sort of companionship. Whether the mentalities are aligned or not, and I mean, you know, Michael Jackson being that he's not, you know, didn't have a childhood and has a very kind of childlike mentality and childlike sensibility. Even so, he's a 30-year-old man. It goes to my point around some of these things about, you know, the what we talked about on the last episode in terms of like barrier to entry to the transgender community. It's like just because I'm bloke and all of a sudden I want to feel like a woman, it's like what's stopping me from doing that in our current climate and then going ahead and frequenting the ladies' bathrooms? And maybe I, what I actually have is some underlying perversion that I like to be in the toilet with women or steal the opportunity to see a little kid come into the girl's bathroom. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know what the motivations are. And even on the surface, they can seem genuine and authentic and benevolent. But they can be the guise of something more sinister. And I'm not saying that we should walk around, you know, thinking everybody is a perpetrator. But a healthy level of awareness and skepticism is always useful. Because otherwise, you're just walking around with your head in the clouds, ready to get lumped by the first person swinging. And I tend to be more skeptical than that. I tend to be a person that looks at things a little bit more as a, let's play devil's advocate. What if? And that's what I did with the Jussie Smellett stuff. Um, I was too young to do it with Michael back in the day. But, you know, ever since I can remember, I've always thought that there was something sideways about Michael Jackson. But it's one of those things where he kind of like, he pops up every five years and it's like, oh yeah, he's just a weirdo or whatever. But I mean, God damn, did this lift the veil. And I know we've done half an hour on it, but it was something that I wanted to talk about because generally things like this don't stay with me. Generally, I can just say, you know what? That guy's a, you know, he's a fucking pervert and he's dead now. So, you know, good for them along, you know, let them get their money and then off. But something about this is different. And I don't know if I can put my finger on it just yet, but I'm working on it because usually this is water off a duck's back and it's horrible for what it is. And maybe it's horrible that I was like that previously. But what I know is that that this has got me a little bit more fucked up than I expected. And, um, and I, I don't know why in particular. May, again, maybe it's because of the height of celebrity that he was. Maybe it was the fact that, you know, you can put all these labels on him as this great person or this kind person when... In actual fact, he was a monster. He was a monster. And whether that's a result of him being his upbringing or his celebrity or a combination of all of the above, you know, all of the things that mix together to make that, you know, that soup as, as successful as, as it is. I don't know all the ingredients, good, bad, or otherwise, it have to go into that. But there was something dark in that man. And he, he didn't suffer alone he he you know he put that suffering on other people and left a legacy of of destruction in his wake and i'm pretty sure he'll be remembered for that long after he'll be remembered for thriller so it's a shame how you know how the mighty fall um it's a shame that you know, we put so much stock into these idols, you know, 
and the disillusion that it can create around understanding or recognizing or admitting that they were not the beacon of morality and kindness and sweetness and innocence that we had initially thought or that we try to maintain about them, right? They always say, never meet your idols because you'll be disappointed, you know? And I think this is a, this is a wide, wide awakening, you know, for, for a lot of people, millions of people. And a lot of people won't, no matter what, they won't buy it, you know? And that's a shame. It's a shame because when, when we have situations where the boy cries wolf in the Jesse Smollett situation, I'm not saying that this is tainted one or the other, um, but it's, it's unfortunate that we would use our skepticism in the wrong way when the obvious is right in front of us. That's at least that's how I feel about it. So um, so I hope he burns in fucking hell. Um, I, just like R. Kelly, he is dead to me. Literally, he's dead, but he's dead to me now. I, I, I won't be listening to his music anymore. I'm <clears throat> maybe that's something that'll fade. And maybe at some point in time, I'll be able to separate the difference between the artist and the, and the monster. But I don't know. I just don't think I need it. You know, I don't, I don't, it's like, what do we need these things for? You got to let go of the past sometimes, right? Like just move on. You know, it's like, you know, it's like friends that you grow up with and you hang on to these friendships for some unbeknownst reason to you. And, you know, when you actually take a step back and look at it from a bird's eye perspective, you kind of start to realize like, Oh, there's, they're actually not contributing anything positive. You know, it's, again, I put this on social media, you know, to an extent. It's like you have your interactions with these people for years and years and years on social media only. And you get into this weird perspective of like, yeah, this is still my friend. But it's like, well, actually, you haven't seen that person in over 10 years. You haven't had an on a telephone conversation or a face-to-face conversation with them in equally, you know, in equally along with... an equally long amount of time and yet you you kind of like you grasp onto this this feeling of like familiarity that was present you know more than a decade ago but the person I was let's say in 2007 when I came to the UK when I came back to England I am nowhere even close to that person now I am a absolute 180 of that person now and if you think that you knew me when I was 22 and now and you and that grants you automatic knowledge and awareness of who I am now, you couldn't be more mistaken. You couldn't be further off. And I think in my own personal situation this goes a long way because a lot of people that I communicate with on social media are abroad. They're in Canada and these are people that, you know, at the very very least I haven't seen in 4 years you know, almost five, you know, in the worst case scenario, some of these people I haven't seen in 15 years because I didn't even see them when I was still in Canada. So it's always funny to under, like to, to hear people say, ah, oh, yeah, I know you don't, you know, I know you, I know how you think. I know how you respond. I know how you react. It's like, no, you don't. 
You fucking didn't know me when I was 22. How the hell do you know me when I'm 35, 36, 37? You don't know me. You know what I allow you to know about me. That's social media. We don't know people on social media. We know what they show us on social media. And that is the highlight. That is the best version that they can muster up, produce, whatever. You know? It's like, don't get it twisted, man. You don't, we don't fucking know each other like that anymore. And sometimes you got to stop looking backwards and just look forward. And that's what got me to England in the first place. And there were people when I left that said, you're running away from things. Yeah, maybe. But I'm, I was also running towards something. Maybe I was running towards the unknown. Maybe I was running towards unfounded opportunity. Maybe I was just running towards something that didn't have the day-to-day negativity that my current situation was. And if you want to call that running away, then call that running away. But rather run away than stay in a situation that is constantly beating you down. That is constantly negative. That is going nowhere. That has zero prospects. That keeps you stuck in a rut. If you find yourself in any of that, you need to move. You need to make moves. Whether that's in your job, in your relationship, where you live, how you eat, the way you work out, whatever. If you are stuck in a in a cycle of complacency or unproductivity, like I don't even know if that's a word, but like you know what I mean? Like if you're not doing things about these things, then I can't help you. But don't assume because I moved on and I've moved on to something else that you still have some semblance of familiarity with who I am, what I think or how I act. Because those people that you know and the people and the person that I am now, and I suppose this goes a long way for a lot of people out there, especially those people that make significant change in their life. You know, ah, oh, people say, oh, you've changed. Yeah, it's like, yes, motherfucker, you have not. Now, who's in the, who's in the better position here? Ah, oh, you're not the same guy you were 20 years ago. Are you fucking right I'm not? Thank God for that. It's a damn shame you are. So sometimes you got to stop looking back, man. You got to stop looking back at these people that you once knew or that once knew you. That you once thought you had so much in common with. It's a very, very rare occurrence. Even with people that see each other all the time. Will not fall out of touch. Will not fall out of interest. Will not start to go one degree the other way, one degree the other way. And, you know, in, in a couple of years time, they can't even see each other because it's so different. Well, imagine how different someone would look if you were standing still and that other person made that change. And in five years or 10 years, you were still in the same position, but that person was 10 years removed from that starting point. And all they did was make one degree of change. They said, I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to try something else in another place. That's all. They made a degree of change to say, I'm not staying here. And in 10 years, their life looks completely different to what it would have had they stayed in that spot. That's why when I run my fitness, I run a fitness company outside of work. Um, You know, I have a few clients that I train. It's more of a recreational kind of hobby, but, you know, I still enjoy helping people. 
you know, it's one of those things that I say to people, you know, it's, they, they say, sometimes I get messages on my fitness uh, page or, or, or on my message board and they say, uh, I just can't find the way, I just can't find a way to get motivated. I can't find a way to get going. Like I used to go to the gym, but I just can't find my way back. I can't, can't seem to get off the sofa. And I just say, that's all you have to do. Just get off the sofa. One degree of change. Draw it on a piece of paper. Get a compass and a protractor if you fucking need to. But imagine you you changed. You're both looking straight ahead. Two versions of you, both looking straight ahead. Now, one version of you peers to the right, one degree. Now you plot that course over the over a year. Watch the separation that occurs. That's progress. That's progress. Making a change and running away from a situation that is nothing but dangerous or unhealthy for you is not running away in the same way as like you're just, you're avoiding your responsibilities or something, right? Like you're some degenerate dad or something like that. Making a change to better your situation is always good. Travel and progress is always good. And it's those, it's those of us that brave that change step off the cliff rather than just looking down at the water that actually know what the change feels like, especially if you're consistent with it. And that's why the slogan that I have on my Facebook page is a year from now, you'll wish you started today because it's so true. How can you know where you're going if you don't even have the will to start the process? You'll never get there. You'll always be stuck in one spot. And when you have to deal with people in a forum as unprepared for interaction as Facebook is, you run into these problems, miscommunications, misunderstanding, right? Or just a lack of wanting to even interact with them. And that last bit there is exactly where I find myself currently because I'm so sick and tired of just dealing with people for the sake of having to deal with them. So... I'm going to do a clean sweep and I think I might get rid of near enough all the people on my Facebook page because the truth of the matter is I don't give a shit about any of them. They add zero value to my life. Everybody that I care about or that has an impact in my life, I see in person regularly. That's community. Community is not the size of your friends list. Think about the interactions you have on Facebook. I mean, ever a more dull, drab, unproductive experience? Like, I don't know of another one. So for me, it's time to reinforce that that effort of not looking back, just looking forward. And if you're not in my future, then I'm probably not going to see you and I'm probably not going to have any time for you. And that's just the way progress goes. You can be on this journey with me, not on my journey, on your own journey, but we're going at it and we're going in one direction. We're heading forward, baby. We're looking to the future. Positive, positive push forward progression baby right are you with me on this can you hear what i'm saying to you 
Every moment you waste time on something that doesn't have an impact in your life, you are just doing that. Just wasting time. And what the fuck is the point of that? It's too short, man. Life is too short. I'm giving you all the cliches in the book right now, but they're true. They're true. You shouldn't have to work to have somebody in your life. It shouldn't be a task to have people you call friends. Right? Some friends I have are annoying as shit, but I love them. I love them. Some people that I have in my life I think are my friends and they're annoying as shit, but they're not really my friends. They're just kind of leftovers from a life that was. And I'm done with that because that's got nowhere written all over it. And these people become a cancer. They become a, a just an energy drain. And I'm not about that. And I know we get serious on this podcast and I know we talk about some heavy issues and we talk about, you know, shit that's not always the most upbeat and positive. And I know I give you the drab, you know, results of life and results of society and politics and so on and so forth. But within these shows, when I'm talking about things like this, I hope you take them for the positive messages that they are. Because this is about self-reliance. This is about standing on your own two feet and this is about doing what you want to do for you because it's good for you, because it makes you happy, because it's it's productive in your life and because it leads somewhere that you want to go and it's not based on anybody else's input. I'm not telling you to be selfish beyond, you know, beyond all other attributes. I'm not saying that. I'm saying do you, truly do you, focus on your future, focus on your path, focus on your journey. Focus on your why and push forward towards it. The positive energy you put out there will attract the right people into your life inevitably. And for the negative people that come into your sphere, you'll be able to repel those people. You'll be able to repel that energy if you stay in your mindset of focus. So I wish we could apply this to some other things. You know, um, I wish we could apply this 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 sense of self-reliance, you know, kind of across the board. And it didn't leak into all these identity politics and and all of this fear mongering and hate mongering like we're seeing, you know, it's like the Brexit stuff. The Brexit is just like now we're going into a we're going into a, a position where we don't know anything. So we're we're kind of facing a no deal with this thing. And there's supposed to be a meaningful vote put out tomorrow. But that's probably going to be delayed because Theresa May knows she's going to fail miserably. Now they're talking about having a no-confidence vote. Every time they've had a no-confidence vote, even if it's a mock vote, test vote, they'll say they hate her plan and they vote that down by 200 votes. But then they'll keep their confidence vote in favor of her. This is absurd. We have to change things. We've been looking back at the past two years like we haven't got anything to learn from it. I could tell you something that we can learn from it. Going forward, we need to change things. Going forward, we can't follow the same path that we've been following for two years. We can't follow the same negotiation points that we've been following for two years. And we can't have the same structural ambition that we had for two years. And what I mean by that is this referendum did not work. This referendum has not panned out because the people we put in charge of running it could not be trusted to do so. This has been an an exercise in incompetency. This has been an exercise in uh, political grandstanding. And this has been an exercise in 
truly having your blinkers on and earplugs in when it comes to listening to what people are actually saying. Because what people are actually saying is, this is a joke, this is all fucked up, and we don't want any part of it. Give us a second vote. That's what people are saying. Whether you want to admit it or not, that's what people are saying. You think people want to leave the EU with no deal? So we have no trade, no customs, no security, no nothing. Or do we want to continue this process with like a three-month extension of Brexit so we can continue negotiating the finer points of nothing? Because we've had a clear understanding from the EU that they're not negotiating on anything now. Their particular points are final. So what are you going to do? And then Theresa May has the nerve to come out now and say, if they don't pass my deal, we might not get a Brexit at all. Well, guess what? We don't want a Brexit anymore. Nobody does. This is a joke. You've shown us truly the incompetence of the British political system. You've, you've shown us how incompetent and unable you are to do simple negotiations. I'm not saying they're simple as in their basic, but you've had two years. It's like there wasn't any thought put into this until about seven or eight months ago. I mean simple because this was a mistake in the first place. Admit your mistake, move on, and give people what they want, which is a chance to have a do-over. Stop looking back and referencing this vote that was a, you know, it was just based off misinformation and lies. Stop. We, we also have to stop, and I, and I've talked about this on a, on a few shows before, but it's getting, it's getting really really absurd now, and it's getting really really absurd because it's being taken up as like a talking point, like an official talking point. And it's, um, it's becoming problematic. Um, <clears throat> and what I'm talking about is this anti-Semitic uh, anti uh, rhetoric that's going around about, um, about uh, criticism of Israel or uh, Israeli policies or the Israeli government or the Israeli treatment of Palestinians. Let me tell you once and for all, um, you know, because... You've got Benjamin Netanyahu, right, who is the, you know, who's the leader of Israel, who is now being uh, indicted on corruption, right, for taking uh, bribes and, and money for and gifts for political influence and uh, and FaceTime and, and so on and so forth. So he's being indicted, but he's come out and given a speech where, you know, he was talking about Israel is not a nation of its citizens as a whole. It's, it's a nation uh, for Israelis only, right, because I think something like, what is it, like 10% or, or something of 20% uh, of, of the 9 million people that live in Israel are, are Muslim or Arabs. And this was this was in response to somebody who was an, um, was an Arab commentator saying that Israel should be a place for all citizens. And Netanyahu came out with this very nationalistic response to say, no, it's not, it's for Israelis, it's not for anybody else, right? So it gives you a sense of kind of where the mentality of the leadership in, in Israel are. Um, and this, I mean, if you don't know the type of political influence and social influence uh, that Israel have and the Jewish people have across throughout America, around the world, then... You are one of, you have to be one of the most ignorant people 
around if you're of the view that there's no political bias there's no media bias there's no uh you know heavy pr around anything you know negative that israel does and positive that israel does and what i mean by that is if something is negative if something negative is put out about israel there is a pr uh whirlwind that comes about to say no 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 no. you've taken it the wrong way they try to spin it back to positive you know and you know if there's anything positive then there's a pr campaign to say how wonderful it is so on and so forth this has been going on for years and years and years and if you don't believe me there's a documentary out called uh what's it called money uh fuck i completely just went blank God damn it. I'll try to remember it. I'll try to remember it. Uh, but it is it is spectacular. It's spectacular in its expose of, of how this all came apart. Uh, came about, I should say. Um, but my point is, if you don't understand that Israel have been running a PR campaign for the last 35 years to ingratiate themselves to the American public, then you're out of your fucking mind. If you don't think that the amount of kickbacks and the whole, you know, tying you know, America and Britain into the Middle East via Israel was a major, uh, a major consideration for why they established the Israeli state in the first place when they drew the new lines in 1967, eight, what was it? Uh, was it 1948, something like that? Um, sorry, I messed my date up. Um, you're, you're out of your fucking mind. You're out of your mind. If you don't think that Israel are systematically trying to wipe out the Palestinian people, you are out of your fucking mind. And if you come out and you say these things, this does not make you someone who hates Jewish people. I'll say it again. This does not make you someone who hates Jewish people. This does not make you an anti-Semite. Okay? If I criticize the way I just have, and I've said, oh, well, this is basically David versus Goliath when you're talking about the Israel-Palestine uh, conflict, because you've got one side that have nuclear armaments and basically the support of the major powers in the Western world versus Palestinian, who for all accounts are, um, are labeled as, uh, you know, run by a terrorist organization throughout the major Western powers of the world, then you're a fucking idiot, and I'm sorry if I'm being harsh about this, I don't mean to be, but you're a fucking idiot because the rhetoric that is coming out now, again, is being believed by people who are too dumb to look into the situation and do five minutes of reading on their own, right? So you've got a David and Goliath situation over here where uh, you wonder how terrorism is spawned. Well, terrorism is spawned oftentimes, yes, religiously fundamental terrorism is spawned for sure. That's the one we're most familiar with, with, you know, Al-Qaeda and, you know, ISIS and things like this. Um, but it's also born out of subjugation, right? They say koala bears are really cute, but if you corner them, you're going to find out how vicious they are, and then you're going to get chlamydia, right? Shit can happen. And the response to being subjugated for years and years and years, being removed from your home, being resettled, you know, having your supplies cut off, having your food and your, your you know, your main you know, the main elements you need to survive have been rationed off and siphoned to a starvation point, you know, where you get electricity when you're told, you get running water when you're told, you get harassed all the time. Like, you know, to not be critical of this is to be part of the problem. And to sit back and expect this to be, you know, resolved by being silent, just letting Israel have their way is is convenient for some sure but uh 
you know, others might consider that uh, crimes against humanity. I am not a fan of Israel. I am not a fan of the Israeli government. I have no problem with Jewish people. None. But if you are of the opinion, Israeli or not, if you're of the opinion that Israel is doing nothing wrong in terms of the Palestinian people, then I'm sorry that we don't have anything else to discuss on the subject. Because there is a, there is a systematic operation of occupation and genocide going on there. But you can't say that. That, that shit will get you fired. That shit will get you pulled off the airwaves real quick. And I'm saying, for people like Ilan Humar, right? I think that's her name. I always fuck these names up. Um, Ilham, uh, is it Ilham? Ilham uh, Omar, the, uh, the, the first Muslim congresswoman um, who's been going hard in the pain on Israel. She's absolutely right. She's absolutely right. Now, some of the things she says are a bit on the fringes for me, but the content of her subject matter is bang on the money. You can't sit here and tell me that Israel are not criminals. The Israeli government, they absolutely are. What they do to the Palestinian people is criminal. We just don't have the balls to stand up to them for whatever reason because political powers are at play here and the ties that bind, right? The ties that bind. So it's just one of those things I wish we could, again, we need to stop looking back on these things that we've been fed and look at what's in front of us. Look at the situation. We have far too much media now. We have far too much investigative journalism now. We have far too much video coverage of the things that are going on in this region to sit back and say Israel and their government are just, well, they're just defending themselves. This is garbage. This is garbage. And we have to, more importantly, stop trying to use Israel as a political pawn and a political piece in this game of whether or not we're accepted or viable for political positions and political leadership. You can't discredit somebody because they fucking criticize the Israeli government. You can't call them an anti-Semite. You can't call them a Jew hater. That is slanderous. <coughs> right? Do you remember when Christopher Hitchens was going after um, Henry Kissinger? And Henry Kissinger came out and said, well, I don't have to listen to him. He's a Holocaust denier. Christopher Hitchens got his lawyers involved and had a defamation of character suit thrown on Henry Kissinger that said you have to cease and desist any of this commentary going forward and you have to issue a formal apology. If not, I'm going to sue you. And the things that Christopher Hitchens was accusing Henry Kissinger of were war crimes. Things like the Vietnam War and Cambodia and how those conflicts got started and the reasons that they got, uh, that they got started. And the children that were killed and the families that were ruined and the villages that were burned. So Henry Kissinger smartly detracted and apologized for these slanderous comments. Because what he understood was that if he did not take them back, Christopher Hitchens' lawyer would be able to ask him about the claims that Hitchens was made that led to him being called and accused a Holocaust denier. And if those would have come out, if those facts about 
these war crimes would have come out, then Henry, Henry Kissinger would have been on, put on trial and the evidence is irrefutable. So he detracted for the sake of playing the long game. Right? It is slanderous for somebody to call you an anti-Semite for criticizing a government. That is bullshit, and you should see right through it. So we need to stop looking back on this. Oh, you can't criticize Israel. Oh, it's so anti-Semitic to say anything bad. If you say something bad about the Israeli government, then you must hate all Jewish people. This is the fucking narrative that in the past has been perpetrated across the lines of PR and the media, and it still continues to happen today. But it will only be successful if we, if we keep looking back at the old way of judging things. If we look forward and we look at the current situation, what you're going to uncover is the fact that this is absolutely correct. And then we can stop all this dogma, this dogmatic talk about how, how you can't criticize somebody. Like I said on one of my other podcasts, one of the other episodes, France were trying to pass a law where it's anti-Semitic hate speech to criticize the Israeli government. And this is like what they've done in Canada. If you don't adhere to a person's preferred gender pronoun, you can be charged with hate speech. So if somebody wants to be called Zer and I don't appre and I don't approach him or her with that pronoun, they can have me done for hate speech, violating them. Because I'm addressing them in a way that they want to be addressed, but I don't know about this. I don't know what that means. So I've chosen not to, or I did it accidentally. Either way, it can be considered hate speech. This is horseshit to me. We have to stop looking back at this. We have to look forward. We have to look forward at the way things are being done in terms of real truth. We have to look forward in terms of the things that are, are, are currently the height of absurdity. And we have to be aware of the things that are manifesting right in front of our eyes. And the fact that if we do a little bit of critical thinking and we do our own research and we don't listen and don't act in a herd mentality, we might just be able to make some goddamn choices and think for ourselves. I will never be told that I'm anti-Semitic because I criticize the Israeli government. You can fucking, you can write me off. I don't give a shit. I know I'm right. I know I'm right. And if you know, then don't lack the courage of your convictions. Go out there and say it. Now, if you're an ignorant fuck and you can be proved wrong, then, well, you know, stand on your own two feet, take your beating. But in this case, no way. No way. These, these Palestinians are being fucking, they're, they're being subjugated to the point of, you know, like inhumane treatment. It's inhumane treatment. You don't have to go far. Vice have done documentaries on this. The BBC have done documentaries on this. Reuters have done documentaries on this. The Associated Press have done documentaries on this. This is not new. This is not breaking news, folks. Right? It's like the Michael Jackson thing. This is not breaking news. You're just finding out about it now. Like I was. But if I really paid attention, I knew this shit all along. You know? And that's where we end up going with a lot of these things. So anyways, I know we've kind of been on a low here, but I was I just had to come at you with some things today because I just had to get some things off my chest. And 
I feel like I'm breaking down some barriers with you guys a little bit now. So I think um, one of the things I might do is look to do some episodes on specific subject matter and uh, and really dig into one thing rather than going kind of all over the spectrum every show. I might, I'm might i going to obviously still do the shows and, and everything like that uh, the way we're doing now, but, you know... I want to look into things. I want to look, I want to do a, a I want to do some shows that are based around specific topics. Um, you know, I think we're going to do one around mental health. I think we're we're going to do one about domestic uh, abuse, child abuse. Um, we're, I think we're going to do one about alcoholism. I think we're going to do one about um, well, we've got a number of subjects. Let's just put it that way. Um, but I'm I'm looking into those. But I want those to be comprehensive shows that are one or two episodes. Um, long so i'm just kind of figuring everything out like i said i always say we but it's just me on this thing right trying to do this every time um a little bit better than we did the first time so you know we'll miss some things like i was going to talk about the ethiopian airline that went down and like 160 people have died and apparently they were all aid workers you know i mean it's a terrible terrible story there's you know the wreckage is just all over the place and you know the bodies are going to be you know recovered and it's terrible for the families but you know there's only so many things i can talk about on one episode and today i had to vent on some issues so i hope i hope i wasn't too preachy i hope i wasn't too uh low too negative for you guys but i wanted to talk about some dark shit man we talked about michael we talked about the anti-semitic stuff we talked about the state of brexit we talked about you know issues that are sticking in our narratives now that need to disappear the anti-Semitic Israel government criticism should disappear. This should not be a thing. Nobody should buy it. And the fact that people are still buying it is a real shame. You know, the Michael Jackson thing. We need to look past Michael Jackson now. This is about sexual abuse. This is about grooming. He's a fucking piece of shit. He's dead. I hope his estate gets rinsed. He's dead to me as an artist. And I hope you guys write him off as well. But it's your own choice. If you still listen to a Pretty Young Thing, I get it. It's a dope song, right? But... You know, some of these things are, are non-negotiable for me, at least at the in the um, immediate term. So, um, you know, we talked about that. We talked about Netanyahu. We talked about how fucked up Brexit is. You know, so some 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 dark things today. But again, they're all relevant. So I hope you've listened. I hope you're at the end with us now. And I hope you'll come back and check out episode 76. But that's three quarters of 100, baby. So here's to our three-month anniversary together, you know, in terms of high school dating, uh, you know, milestones. This is, um, you know, this is, let me get you some flowers. We've been together for, you know, we've been together for a couple weeks now. This is great. Let me touch your titties. You know, let's take it to the next level, baby. I'm trying to raise it up, you know. So we're progressing. We're growing together guys but you know there's going to be good ones there's going to be bad ones there's going to be exciting ones there's going to be funny ones there's going to be sad ones um i want to bring the spectrum to you but i just want to be honest and i just want to talk about the things that that i think need talking about so whether that's uh, an mma fight or uh, or the state of michael jackson you know fiddling kids you know, you never know what you're going to get. So I guess we're uh, we're kind of like Forrest Gump in that respect. You know, we're, we're the box of chocolates. So um, I'm going to leave it there, guys. This is episode 75. I'm your host, as always. My name's Daryl. So, uh, you know, for me personally, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I, I love you guys. And, uh, and all I want is for you to keep pressing subscribe and keep pressing play. Um, and if there's anything I could ask over and above that, give us your feedback. Want to know what we're doing here. Um, and how you're thinking about it. So uh, that's it. We're going to wrap it. So until next time, guys, this is episode 75 of the Quiet Part Lab podcast. 
I'm your host, Daryl, as always, which I've said now for the second time. So I'm going to peace out. Until next time, guys. All the best.